Coming up on Podcast 1589, Electrify America to rebrand all of their charges, either hyper or ultra. What does that mean? Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, the all-electric Porsche Panamera, Google Maps getting better for EV drivers, and Starbucks and Ikea are the world's new gas stations. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Saturday, the 10th of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Okay, headline story today, and Electrify America introducing two new names for their DC fast chargers, hyperchargers and ultrachargers. And if you don't know which one is which just from the names... You're not alone, by the way. No specific definition in EV world for what we call chargers. I'm more used to calling something quick, like a 350 kilowatt charger, an HPC, a high-powered charger, HPC. And that means if you sort of say it quickly, hypercharger, HPC, then, then hyper is the quicker one. And that is how Electrify America see this. You see, they've done some consumer research, and they think that EV drivers want to charge their cars like diesel and petrol car drivers when you pull up to the pump and you can often get like your basic petrol or your basic diesel or a lot of whether it's bp or shell or whoever they have their own brand like premium so that that's what electrify america think ev chargers want I'm not necessarily on the same page as that, by the way. Uh, They're also introducing balanced chargers, and I'll get onto that in a minute, but it means that if you turn up in something slow like a Chevy Bolt and somebody else turns up in a Porsche Taycan and you're using the same station with two plugs, then it can dynamically balance, which is good. It should do. It's basic. That's very, very basic these days, Um, but they're using the balanced term. Okay, good to know. Let's dig into it. Hyperchargers or hyperfast chargers are the most powerful. And so if you turn up to a hyper-fast charger, you'll see three green lightning bolt icons. If you turn up to an ultra-fast charger, it has very slightly different pastel colouring. It's hard to tell if you're not really paying attention. They look the same from a distance. They're 150 kilowatt ultra-fast chargers. And again, it's not obvious because what's a bigger what's bigger? What's a bigger number? Ultra or hyper? Well, if you think about ultra marathons, you'd think, well, ultra. Ultra is the biggest, but no, hyper is biggest. And that is, look, it's good that they're doing it because if you've got a slow charging EV or if you've got an EV that can charge at 150 kilowatts, then you shouldn't block. And I'm doing air quotes now. And you say should, shouldn't, shouldn't is also a big, you know, a big judgment call. But it would be polite of you if you have the option not to air quotes block a faster charger if your car only ever peaks at 150. And let's be honest, a lot of cars, by the time they are half full and they're slowing down, they're all much of a muchness anyway. But still, um, balanced chargers we'll get on to next. Um, if the neighbouring stall is unused, then one of the balanced chargers will give you the full beams of 350 kilowatts. Um, if someone plugs in, say, a Kia Nero, which will charge at something in the mid-70s um, at a balanced station, and there's already say you know a porsche tycon charging what in theory it does is it says you know what's the maximum you want what's the maximum you can take and it smart balances them out vice.com weren't as generous let's say in their writing about it vice says one does not pull up to a fast charger and select the charging speed they desire like they do 
with pumping gas, which is the analogy that Electrify America chose to go with. And actually, they said in their own research, they want to emulate that. But you don't do that. So, yeah, if you're filling up your car or you've got a sports car that needs a higher octane, you might do. You might pull up and there's a choice of speeds of petrol and diesel, but you just don't do that in an EV. Each charger has its own maximum and will go up to that if the hardware is working correctly. Electrify America has determined that North Americans struggle with the concept of, you know, numbers and must be replaced with words uh, that are less confusing than numbers. But now EV owners must now learn and remember the difference between hyper and ultra. Uh, for all of the problems with the US charging network, says Vice.com, uh, they're expensive to build. They're profoundly unreliable, uh, constant network interruptions, annoying payment systems and spotty coverage outside uh, the dense urban areas. No American has ever asked the question, is 350 more than 150? Wow. So they were pretty critical. And, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. Does it really matter? No, at the end of the day, they still do print the numbers somewhere. Did they need to do this? I don't think so, but I'm not running their business. Like, I never went, guy, if only, you know, charging companies would give it a name. It doesn't matter because ultimately they should put the number on of the maximum speed it can give. So 50, 150, 350. There's other flavours in there as well. You know, and what ultimately, if they're going to sit around in a meeting and have a conversation about their charging network, then all charging networks should be having three conversations, if you ask me. Uh, firstly, reliability. Secondly, reliability. And thirdly, reliability. Because there's no point having 350 kilowatt chargers if A, they don't work, and B, they don't dispense the maximum they can. So, you know what? That's a branding exercise. Who really cares? But it has got some people a little bit worked up today. Let me know your thoughts if you want to. Okay, moving on, and a name from Motorsport next, and Williams, and a part of their company called Williams Advanced Engineering, are showing off their new EV platform. It's called EVR, and EVR is a platform that, if you or I want to go and buy a build an EV, rather, we can go to Williams and say, hey, we'd like to build an electric hypercar, please. What have you got? And they will provide now a turnkey solution for startups, even for OEMs, by the way, for big, big companies that might want to... Work their way up the ladder a little bit quicker. Reduce the development costs. It's got an 85 kilowatt hour battery, state of the art, they say. A peak power of 1,650 kilowatts. Okay, yeah, this is hypercar territory. Uh, sub two second, naught to 60 miles an hour, 248 miles an hour top speed. If the vehicle is light enough, of course, and fast charging, uh, mega fast charging, adding. 280 miles of range in 20 minutes. The system that Williams will sell you is either an all-wheel drive or a rear-wheel drive version. It's They've also bundled the software required, so a BMS, a battery management system, and uh, they're also talking about showing that off at uh, the um, show called Senex, and they're presenting their electric motorbike powertrain at the same time as well. So great news there for those that want to get a leg up on building an electric hypercar. They can go to one company, a famous name, of course, in motor racing, and Williams will provide it. Now, one of my favorite charging hardware manufacturers, the Aussie Tritium 
company. They don't, in my experience, because of the ones that I tend to go to all the time, I don't go to their fastest hardware. I'm normally using 50 kilowatt tritium hardware. And you know what? It just always works. Now, I'm not familiar with their, their high-powered stuff, but I tend to use the 50s because there's loads of them around here. They're, I think, Mer or Mare, the charging network, um, which is, like, for some reason, has, has cropped up where I live. Of all the places they could have chosen in the UK, they're appearing in Dorset in their masses, which is great, not complaining, um, but uh, they're using a lot of Tritium stuff, and it, it works really well in my experience. They are now raising a bunch more money to accelerate their expansion. That's a great thing. Uh, Tritium says the world has seen demand for EVs skyrocket in recent years, fueled by goals to reduce carbon emissions, along with government incentives for vehicles and charging infrastructure. It noted that in the United States, where it recently opened a new manufacturing facility, the new National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Formula Program is providing $5 billion US dollars to build a coast-to-coast EV charging network. According to The Driven website, last month they inked a deal with Enel X, the Italian company. Uh, and that'll see those two companies work to deploy 250 EV fast chargers across the US, all part of raising 200 million Aussie dollars to accelerate their fast charging production. And that, I think, is a really good thing. I rate them very highly. Now, an all-electric Porsche Panamera could be in the works, readying for an all-electric version of their four-door Panamera to debut the same time as the next-gen Porsche Taycan, set to reach showrooms in 2027. The Panamera EV uses the same platform that Porsche will use for the Taycan, according to reports. Well, Taycan V2, I guess. Longer range, better performance. And shorter charging times. And look, that car, the Taycan at the minute, is a beast already. There are very few cars that will eat up motorway miles, particularly at triple-digit speeds, better than a Porsche Taycan. Uh, Porsche's ramping up its EV program, according to comments made by the CEO, Oliver Bloom. 80% of the global sales by the end of the decade will be electric. The electric Cayenne and Macan models are going to sit on top of the PPE platform. That stands for Premium Platform electric. That'll be used by Porsche and by Audi. The next-gen Taycan will use a different platform to that, though, and that is what the new Panamera will use. The architecture is slimmer for low-down sports cars with a low ride height, low centre of gravity, coming in 2027 for the new Taycan, new Panamera as well. A report, according to the DetroitBureau.com, they write, a report in Germany's manager magazine earlier this year claimed the key to getting the 911 EV will be the development of solid-state batteries to offer enough range and performance to satisfy traditional buyers despite the sports car's diminutive footprint. I have been dismissive of the claims over the years that EVs won't be ready until solid-state batteries are truly ready and on the market because there are incredible EVs on the market today, right now, that don't use solid-state batteries. But some of those bigger car manufacturers, the big OEMs, the Toyotas of the world, BMW have talked about it, um, obviously VW with Porsche, uh, making investments as well in various Companies are making solid-state or semi-solid-state batteries. So we'll wait and see. We're looking forward to all kinds of battery development over the years. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon. Magna, the Austrian company, could well be moving to the US in order to access the new US federal tax credits. And why? 
EVs aren't the cause of grid problems in California and other places. Stick around. Those stories and more, they're on the way. Now, a great story that I found on the website androidpolice.com. Google using data from the U.S. Department of Energy's National Renewable Energy Laboratory and the European Environment Agency, uh, combined with driving trends gleaned from all of those massive data points that Google has from its maps, app, and users, is powering its recommendations, feeding it into machine learning, and responsible for new routing to improve uh, the way that EV drivers get around. Google says that EVs perform better in stop-go traffic. Well, they don't perform better in stop-go traffic, but if yeah, if, if what Google means by that is there's no penalty for being stopped in an EV, whereas a combustion engine has to run, even if it's a stop-start engine, it's always starting and stopping, then, yes, they're absolutely right. Diesel engines are better cruising at a consistent speed on an open highway. So when you use Google Maps in certain areas now, you can select your powertrain option, and it will not only give you eco-routing, but also what it thinks is the quickest route. So you've got a couple of options, the most economical route, according to your powertrain needs, and what you would normally get at the minute, which is Google's quickest route or best route. And the availability of eco-routing in the US and Canada has already prevented, they say, half a million metric tons of carbon. The options are rolling out to 40 more European countries. So as long as the, as well as the fastest route to your destination by default, options of clicking eco-routing. Now, the manufacturer Magna, the Austrian-based contract manufacturer, they make vehicles of all shapes and sizes, small runs, things like the iPace. They make that for Jaguar, a very, very important company in the world of manufacturing. Doesn't get many headlines because there's no Magna badge on the front of cars, but they recently shared their aspirations to enter the US market and make vehicles in somewhere in North America, maybe. The facility overseas currently makes things like the iPace and the Fisker Ocean will start in November, being made in Austria. But with the US federal tax credits and the Inflation Reduction Act, meaning that you have to be making those vehicles on US soil. Magna might be ready to set up shop, according to Electrek, following the timing of the expansion of those federal tax credits. Magna's vice president saying they are intensively looking uh, for a site in North America. The timing of the decision on par with the revised terms of EVs to qualify for the federal tax credits being made, uh, assembled in North America. Also, the majority of the battery materials coming from either the US or a trade partner. Electrek says this move had huge implications for the Fisker One, which debuted last November at a starting price of 37499 at the time, the Ocean qualified for the US tax credits, so Fisker was advertising that its flagship SUV could be purchased for under $30,000 for any US customer who qualified for the full tax credit. Story in the show notes if you'd like to read more. Now, why California is the subject of some debate in the US right now, warnings of potential rolling blackouts in recent days has been catnip for conservative politicians and pundits who are trying to tie the crisis of Californian blackouts to electric vehicles. Social media platforms and conservative outlets have amplified claims over the last week as California issued flex warnings urging residents to conserve energy to prevent outages. It's because of a record-setting heatwave. According to the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper, the problem with the notion that EVs are taxing the grid is because it's not true. 
Charging for EVs accounts for 0.4% of overall energy in peak hours on a typical summer day between 4 and 9pm when the grid is at its most risk. That data comes from the California Energy Commission itself. Now, energy experts saying that the pitfalls for conservative critics trying to draw a direct line between clean car regulations and power outages are numerous. There's two biggies, though. The regulations in California to ban the sale of gas-powered cars, which only approved last month, doesn't even happen till 2035. So there's 13 years to prepare for that eventuality. And also it's more expensive to charge when the grid is at its busiest. The majority of EVs, from Teslas to Chevy Bolts, have a facility to charge your car in the off-peak hours. Now, PG&E and other utilities across the state offer rate incentives for EV drivers to charge overnight. I know I certainly do. I'm on the same thing here with Octopus. Now, I'm on Octopus Go Faster. That's their tariff that is, um, it's a bit like Octopus Go, but for a slightly longer time, for a slightly more expensive rate. But, you know, my tariff is going to change when it expires because of the energy crisis, but I pay 25p peak rate per kilowatt hour per unit, and I pay five pence overnight, 9.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. And like I say, I know it's going to change when that that expires in December, But so I'm kind of lucky, but also I never, ever, ever, ever charge my EV apart from overnight on cheap rate when the grid is not busy. Now, critics of California's EV policy seem to have little understanding of when and where electric cars are typically charged. Data from the Energy Commission supports that point. Demand for EV charging is greatest at what time do you reckon? When do you think Californians charge their EVs? Well, data from the Commission itself says that the most popular time to charge an electric vehicle in California is somewhere around midnight. And around midnight in California, when everyone's charging their EVs, it's about even then, 2%, 2.3% of the state's power load. Now, last week on Fox News, uh, a host going by the name of Tucker Carlson dedicated a 17-minute segment to California's policy and power grid. He called electric cars, and I quote, a new way to overburden California's already collapsing energy grid. The instinct behind all of this is totalitarian, which is to say, total control over you, end quote. Wow. Uh, I've heard of Fox. Never heard of this uh, chap who goes by the name of uh, Tucker. Funny name that. But uh, uh, yeah, haven't heard of him or what he does. But if he's on Fox, I can imagine that. You know, he sounds a bit like, you know, if he didn't have a, a platform, he'd become sort of some wild eyed, crazy old man shouting from his porch at kids going too fast on their BMX outside. But no, he thinks that according to this quote, and I'm not double-checked that he actually said this, uh, whoever he is, but uh, that EVs are about totalitarian control. I mean, he sounds more ill mentally than anything else, but I don't know. No, I haven't heard of him, so I wish him all the best. But, uh, I, you know, these kind of commentators that I guess... Look, sometimes... I try and be pragmatic about this. Sometimes people make a lot of money through attracting attention And, you know, they say stuff that gets some clicks or attention, whether they believe it or not. He may believe that, but I don't know. Try and give people the benefit of the doubt. He might just be, I don't know, you know, rinsing money from stupid people is what I'm trying to say. Whether that fits with your moral compass or not, I'm just saying, you know, some people do that. So uh, it seems like a crazy situation to think 
that EVs are the problem in terms of power grids. In fact, they are the solution. But that is a podcast for another day. Now, Starbucks and Ikea are the new filling stations for electric car drivers. Those that want to recharge their cars as well as their bodies uh, are choosing places like Ikea and Starbucks. Ikea are partnering partnering with Electrify America, or Ikea, as I should say it, because that is indeed how it should be said. Uh, Ikea is partnering with Electrify America. Starbucks partnering um, with others as well, with Volvo, I think, uh, to gear their charging stations towards the kind of time that it takes to stop and get a cup of coffee. Now, there's a Starbucks near me on the A31 in Dorset. It's a little out of my way, um, but it's on the way to my parents. And if I'm dropping my little lad off for some uh, some some childcare or something or going to see them, um, I'll often pop in and treat myself to a coffee. And I might only be on that Instavolt charger for 10 or 15 minutes. You know, my little man normally wants to get a chocolate gold coin from the till. <laughs> And that's our little treat. And, you know, maybe we'll drink in or eat in. Maybe we'll get straight back in the car. But Instavolt get a little bit of money out of me for charging. And I think Starbucks, IKEA, good places. The problem with IKEA, I've mentioned this before, you never stop for 15 minutes or 20 minutes there. You always stop for two hours. Because to even get to the cafe is a trek. Those things are huge, those stores. By the time you've had your meatballs and had a look around, it's easily a couple of hours you can kill easily. So um, I'm not sure DC fast chargers should be in IKEA's. I think perhaps 22 kilowatt chargers, maybe maybe 50s, but nothing faster. Uh, now let's talk about plug surfing, which you know you know this podcast is sponsored by Octopus Electric Universe, and that is a card, an app you can use to charge globally. Well, plug surfing is a very similar concept, really. I've used my plug surfing card over the years before I went to Octopus. They've got offices in Berlin, Stockholm and Helsinki. And now they've been bought out uh, by a uh, company called Fleet Core. And they, uh, the CEO uh, says that they will focus on their product roadmap, deliver more capabilities to EV drivers and expand, which is Got to be a good thing. Now, in the US, the American Council for Energy Efficient Economies warns that the states don't have a good enough comprehensive plan for EVs. If you look at the expansion of EVs, Car and Driver said that the EV registrations were up 60% year on year from Q1 this year to Q1 last year. So it's finally happening in the US, a little bit behind other parts of the world. But the ACEEE said that they looked at 11 states and their plans for electrification of transport. And they said that while they have laudable goals and in some cases spending a lot of money uh, that they're lacking, not integrated, and they need to ensure that everyone benefits. And I would absolutely echo that because we don't just want the more well-off to benefit from electric vehicles. Nissan, next in the news, buying a Japanese electric vehicle battery business. And yes, they did own a battery business before some years ago, getting out of the battery business and now getting into the battery business. <laughs> They've come full circle. Uh, they are called... Uh, ve- uh, the Vehicle Energy Depa- Japan is the company uh, that they have bought, well, bought into. And they say that the acquisition of that Japanese battery company is all about their Ambition 2030 plan. Tesla this weekend is opening up uh, their... Not the actual factory, but an open-door event... Uh, in the area to talk to local people. It's in the municipality, at least where 
Giga Berlin is located. Tomorrow they will invite local citizens to come and talk to people from Tesla on the topics that are controversial, water use, environmental use, uh, road and rail infrastructure and impact. So it's not actually a factory tour, but it's near the factory if you want to go along and talk to Tesla and uh, and ask them ask them questions. Uh, it's funny, this is the Teslarati article. Uh, I looked at the comments section. Always a dangerous thing to do. Uh, and so many, you know, people like t- the Tesla fans being like, oh, yes, no one else does this. Only Tesla opens up their doors. Yeah, apart from Volkswagen and BMW and Mercedes and many more car makers that will do factory, actual factory tours like Tesla do. Um, you can go, it's, in some cases, go and see your car being built in some cases. And so, oh, my goodness me. The cult really are quite crazy. Uh, So stay out of the comments section. But good news. Well done, Tesla. And why an e-bike might suit you better. Bit of weekend reading for you. While EVs are better choices than internal combustion cars, there's still a lot of EV trucks coming on the market. And that does mean big costs, both literal and figurative as well. Do you need to be driving an EV truck if you're popping down the road? Can you save money and the planet by, maybe, keeping your combustion truck on the road if you need it for hauling some goods, some lumber, towing a boat once in a blue moon, going camping once in a blue moon, and then actually doing most of your miles on an e-bike. That is the argument put forward by OutsideOnline.com website. Really good long read. Enjoy that one today. I'll pop a link in the show notes. And they argue that, hey, maybe if you have a rusty old truck, don't replace it with a brand new shiny EV truck, but get an e-bike. Uh, 95% of the time, a vehicle is parked anyway, uh, and they say that uh, more and more people are getting into e-biking. I, I, it's, a, it's certainly an argument I think that is worth looking at. I'm not sure it always uh, suits everybody in some cold climates particularly, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see how many go down that route. I personally want to do that a lot more. I don't know about you. I do a lot of small journeys. My little one's going to start school in the next few days. And his school is perhaps a three or four minute car journey, which is maybe a seven or eight minute bike ride. An e-bike would let me do that without getting a sweat on. I could even get one of those little attachments so that he can pedal behind me. In other words, you know, take off the front wheel of his bike and it hooks onto the, the fork. You know, so could even get him into the, the habit of walking and biking to school. But I know, I know that on we're heading into winter now you know nine times out of ten on a rainy when it's tipping down with rain i'm not going to put the waterproofs on i'm not going to put my um you know golf jacket on Uh, we're going to jump in the car and take a car to a school like hundreds of other parents which is bonkers but i know it's going to happen and i should be using an e-bike a lot more man Uh, Tell me about it. Right, question of the week. Taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. Thank you very much to everyone who supports the podcast. If that's you on Patreon, I'm enormously grateful. Thank you to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, global public charging made simple with one app, one map. And milbrookcottages.co.uk, five-star luxury cottages in Devon, how we can charge your EV and have a well-earned break. Have a good one. See you tomorrow for Sunday's show. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.